This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Pass the work quickly. Down to six seconds, Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air, picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone, touchdown. The punter to beat, and the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right, fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch. And welcome back to the episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington, with Michael Nania. And today... We are lucky enough to be joined by, in in many ways, a legend uh, around these parts. Robbie Sabo from Jets X Factor. Robbie, how you doing, man? You are out of your mind, Ben. A legend. Right. I, I think so. I, Michael, I think you agree, right? I, I think it's a worthy moniker. Stop. Stop. You guys. There, there's nobody in my mind that has or should have more credibility than you, Robbie. I think that the work you've done over the last few years is pretty next level. Um, so we're very fortunate enough to be graced by your presence, honestly. All right. Um, now that... Now that we leap out of fantasy land, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Let's let's leap into a factual world, shall we? Yeah, factual world. A few days from now, um, free agency will commence. And the time is now, Robbie, for, for Joe Douglas and the Jets to turn this baby around. Um, so I guess we should just start there. I mean, how much different do you think Joe Douglas's strategy will be uh, as compared to last year? Because I think a lot of fans were, were let down by the approach last year. But in retrospect, and as going to what I just said earlier, you were ahead of the curve. You were... you you wrote an article basically detailing why that was the smart move for Joe Douglas to not overspend uh, last off season. So is that, you know, a, a victim of, it was a weak free agency class and there was concerns about, you know, how COVID would impact um, the season, or do you think that is really just Joe Douglas's mindset when it goes to free agency? And do you think we might see a similar um, type of uh, free agency this year? I, I- I think COVID and a weaker draft, a weaker pool could have a lot to do with it, but it's more the diehard, the old school strategy. Free agency doesn't build a team in the NFL. It does it in the NBA for sure, but not in the NFL. So Douglas, whether it's a bad free agent class, good free agent class will only pull the trigger on when he knows his team is ready for it. And it, it increases each year. Last year was pretty stagnant. He didn't do much this year. You know, as we just, discussed before i think he will target tooney as a great example so i think he'll um kick it up a notch this year but i wouldn't expect him to go crazy you know i wouldn't expect any 2015 mccagnan aggressive rebuild yeah i agree and i think the thing uh with joe douglas and his mindset is that we've only seen him for one year so i do think it's a little early to sort of peg 
him in any way in terms of how he's going to approach things. I think with another year, especially in a season where the Jets could spend a lot of money, we could learn a lot more about what his approach is going to be. So it will be interesting to see if he's similarly frugal as to how he was last season or if he ramps it up a little bit. But um, looking at some of the needs across the roster, because there are so many of them, pretty much any position that isn't interior D-line is a question mark in some way. So which of the needs on the roster do you think they're going to look at first and foremost, try the hardest uh, to fill in free agency? Tooney, interior line, edge, and, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this year compared to the last previous, there's more available edge rushers than there, at, there has yeah. been in a while, right? Definitely. So that is a gift. So it could be edge number one. Um, but I think Tooney, considering how much they like him, it'll be interior line number one, edge number two. And then other than that, maybe a corner, but other than that, more importantly, bringing on the right guys. I, I expect at least a couple X-Niners and guys that fit Salah fit what they're trying to do. So edge, interior line, and then people. Who are the people they want to bring on? You, I mean, your analysis of, of how the Jets are going to approach free agency is, no offense, but a little depressing. But I think you're probably right. I mean, I think it is it is a bit of a wet blanket, but I do agree that I don't expect Douglas to, you know, go bananas. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really line up with what we know about him and, and a lot of the things that we praise him for. Um, but you do mention edge. I mean, how realistic do you think it is that the Jets do wind up paying a big name guy? You know, Shaq Barrett hit the market and, and Carl Lawson hit the, the market, which is honestly pretty surprising. There's Yannick Ngakwe out there. There are some big name edge rushers. There are some, you know, probably a second tier of Hendrickson, Aquara, those type of guys. Um, but how realistic is it do you, that that Douglas could dump, you know, a considerable amount of the salary into an edge, uh, a top tier edge player on free agency? I think it's pretty likely to be honest, because on day one, when he showed up, he, he said something McCagna never said. It's about the lines. It's about both lines and the quarterback. He knows how important the conventional four-man rush is. And so does Salah. Salah, his defense is vanilla. It relies on a four-man conventional rush. See, Douglas, he's frugal, but he doesn't mind spending when he knows it's well worth it. And even if he overspends on a, Carl Lawson or Shaq Barrett, he knows it's worth getting one of those guys in to fit what they need right now. So don't be too depressed. I think he could shock you, but I don't see any, um, you know, George Steinbrenner stuff coming. Yeah. And then looking at another position on defense that I think is a really underrated need that more people should be talking about is the linebacker position. I think, and it is interesting to bring this up so early because I think it is worthy of being brought up that early before even positions like wide receiver um, because it is that important, but people aren't really giving it the attention that it deserves. So what do you think the Jets need in a linebacker in free agency? Because they have C.J. Mosley, hopefully healthy enough to come back and also hopefully at the same caliber player that he used to be. Um, but next to him, this is going to be a 4-3 base defense obviously you're not playing that the entire game but this is uh Robert Sala did play base more often than most other teams in the league so they are going to have that three linebacker look a lot of the time so what do you think the Jets need in their linebacker uh, additions next to CJ Mosley I mean simply put a guy who could move a guy who could cover they don't need a it doesn't have to be a big guy it just needs to be a guy who could play as many situations as possible. What you don't want in today's league 
is a Bart Scott in 2010, 2011, where you have to take him off the field in passing situations. Just because flame, just going to flame Bart Scott like that. Jets legend. Okay. Okay. Robbie, I may, I may have to take away your legend status for that, but unnecessarily. Please do. And, and Bart, you know, you gotta, in today's league, linebackers have to play each situation because it's just, you don't need the hard hitting guy anymore, like a Scott. Uh, so Nanny keyed me onto this guy, Jayon Brown fits the bill. Uh, Morrow fits the bill. Uh, someone who can move is uh, priority. Yeah, I think everything that you said there is is definitely accurate. I mean, they're going to be looking for guys who can fly around. Nicholas Morrow is another guy. I think Tyus Bowser is intriguing just because of the, the Baltimore connection to Joe Douglas, but I can't tell. Is he more of a 3-4 outside linebacker, or can he be a 4-3 Sam type of guy? It is interesting to see you know, what type of linebacker are they going to invest in. Are they going to go after one big will linebacker you mentioned brown maybe got a quan alexander who just got released who has experience and saw his scheme you know maybe they'll go quantity over quality in this case and and look at guys like um anzalone from the saints or or kevin pierre lewis who's a former jet i i I tend to believe that that douglas is going to go for quantity over quality with maybe one maybe two kind of big free agent signings i could see a situation where he signs maybe tooney and then 10 other kind of guys who just slip through the cracks and in this free agency market that might be the best strategy just because so many of those guys are slipping through the cracks because teams are having to save salary cap space and those solid good starters are, are falling through because they just teams don't have the, the cap necessary to keep them um and i think cornerback position is, is another one kind of like that it's weaker than the linebacker the edge group um but the jets obviously have a huge hole there i mean i'm a big believer in bryce hall but I think he showed more promise than bless Austin did in his rookie season, but I don't want to fall into that same trap of just, okay, that guy's good. I think Bryce Hall is going to be good, but at the end of the day, he only did play half a season. He's a fifth round rookie. Um, So they have to have depth there. I think first of all, they're going to look for a slot guy. And I guess my first question to you is what do you think they do there? Do you think they look towards re-signing a guy like Brian Poole, who's been nothing short of great outside of the injury issues. Um, He's been, you know, an absolute difference maker, or do you think they go to maybe somebody in Salah's roots and K1 Williams, who has a very close relationship to Salah and in his own right has been very good when he can stay on the field. And then on top of that, they got to add probably another outside guy. And this is a weird cornerback market because there aren't really any top tier cornerbacks or any of the top um, free agents. It's kind of, you know, Chidobia Woozy, Shaq Griffin, um, Jason Verrett, um, there's all sorts of different kind of mid-tier guys, Mike Davis, with with question marks. So how do you think they try to address that cornerback position? I think Poole will be the first call, first target, because other than Tooney and, and possibly an edge, I don't think Douglas will look to overspend anywhere else. I mean, those are the two positions where he won't mind overspending if he could get his guy. Uh, but at corner – slot corner, especially, I think he'll, he'll run hard at pool and, um, Kwan Williams, that that's the guy that keeps sticking my, in my head as well, if they don't get pool. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right on top of it. Now, now let me ask you guys free agency. What would disappoint you if, what would be disappointing, a disappointing return in the end? I, I think it definitely comes down to the interior offensive line. I think that will define the jets free agency period. Cause like, look, if they signed, let's say they go bananas and they signed Tooney and Lindsley, and then they just crap the bed everywhere else, I think I would still probably be happy. I think as long as they can shore up that offensive line, I think that's going to be the one move or maybe two moves that Douglas can make that'll 
push this team farther ahead than any other free agent signing. I mean, I guess edge rusher holds that as well, but if they shore up the interior of that offensive line, especially considering you got Becton, you got draft picks to add to it as well. You have presumably a new quarterback in there, new system, et cetera. I just feel like that offense is going to take a leap. I mean, we were talking about it. I think with you last year before the season, when it was like, okay, this just offensive line was terrible. Let's get him to mediocre. And the next offseason we can look to be good. And then the year after that, you can look to be great. I don't know if they reached mediocre. I mean, I guess you could say they were mediocre. I think Becton shined. I think there were question marks elsewhere. It was an inconsistency. Maybe they didn't take the jump we wanted to, but Becton was so good that I'm still pretty optimistic about Douglas's ability to build it up. But now he's in a position where I think he can really turn this around. So if they whiff on Tooney and they don't get any of those other top guys and they kind of go again with the Connor McGovern type of B tier free agents on the offensive line, I think I'd be pretty disappointed. What about you, Michael? Yeah, I agree. I think it all comes down to supporting the quarterback first and foremost, because you're probably going to have a rookie quarterback in there. So um, I think they need to do whatever they can to help him out. And that starts with the offensive line, then at wide receiver. And I don't think they have to spend big money there. It's definitely a position where I think you want to be a little cautious with that, um, especially because they do already, in my opinion, have two really good pieces and Crowder and Mims. But starting with the offensive line, I think doing nothing on the O-line would be a big disappointment. Um, And then at Ed Rusher, I think that would also be the other thing that would disappoint me because they just haven't tried at edge at all in so long. So they have all this cap space. There are a lot, even if you don't get one of the top guys, like Carl Lawson, Romeo Okora, Trey Hendrickson, even if you don't get one of them, there are plenty of players, veteran guys who can just be upgrades as pass rushers, whether it's Clowney, Vinnie Curry, Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, not great players anymore, way past their primes, but they're still far better than what the Jets have and have had in the past few seasons. So just, just try it, edge rusher. I think if they didn't do that, it would be pretty disappointing. So edge and O-line, I think, are the, the, the spots if they don't come through there would be disappointing. Yeah, it's also... You know, I I agree with you, Robbie, about Joe Douglas's philosophy, but I also think there's a way for Douglas to be aggressive in the free agency market without being dumb. And I think we just have Jets fans haven't really witnessed this that much. Um, But I I think I would be disappointed if it just kind of felt like they weren't utilizing this great asset to build up the team in a year that the Jets have significant leverage here. And I I think I'm also of the mindset where it's like, you know, I think the days of a five-year rebuild in the NFL are relatively over. I think you can do it in three. And I think Jets are kind of in year two is what I would say. They tore it down to the studs, and now they're trying to build a foundation here. And I don't think that means they should go dump huge money into Juju Smith-Schuster or Yannick Ngakwe or something. But they can be aggressive. Hell, not even with dumping a ton of money. They can be aggressive in the sense that, and I'm not saying this would be a good move, but, it, it, you know, cutting Crowder and signing Curtis Samuel or something like that, where it's you're not really losing much from a money perspective. I mean, Sam will probably cost three or $4 million more, but you know, maybe you're getting a guy who might fit the offense better. I think personally they should probably keep Crowder, but I think there are moves they can make that Douglas can show he's being aggressive, that he's doing everything to improve the team. Um, Cause I think that was the big thing last year where it, it made sense, but it almost felt like he wasn't trying to improve the team at all in March. And I think there's a, a path for Douglas to doing that. I guess, what do you think about the, the prospect of cutting crowd? I saw you had an article on why the Jets should under no circumstance do that. But given that this is such a stacked receiver class and the types of receivers that are coming out are slack guys. So maybe the Jets fall in love with Kenny Galladay or they fall in love with Will Fuller or something. They sign him to a, a contract of $12 million, $13 million, whatever it is. 
And then it's like, well, we can, we can save some money at this receiver's position, cut Crowder and then draft kind of a shift to your slot guy. I guess, what do you think about the prospect of, of cutting Crowder? Do you think he is, is an uncuttable player on this roster? No, no, he's not untouchable. And it, see, Crowder is a weird fit in my eyes. He's a great slot guy. But you generally want your slot guy or at least one of the three starting weapons to be able to take jet motion duties, to be able to be that X-factor guy, that gadget guy. Crowder's not that guy. Mims is not that guy. And if you get another outside weapon like Holiday, you don't have a guy out of those three who could do it. Kansas City has, I mean, of their six receivers, probably four of them can do it. So the game is changing. I see a world where it's possible to have Crowder and Samuel on the field at the same time. That's how drastically the game's changed. So Crowder is not untouchable. If they lock up Samuel and think that's the right move to go with Samuel in the slot, cut Crowder and then find your outside weapon in the draft. But that's a scenario um, worth investigating. I saw on Twitter, someone said, you should never get rid of talent in the NFL. If you have it, don't get rid of it. That's not the NFL. You know, there, this is a hard salary cap. Each player's salary is a percentage of the total pie. So there are always scenarios and situations in which a player could be cut. Um, you just can't keep adding up to talent. That's not this game. So it, it depends. It depends what LaFleur wants too. Does he want that Debo Samuel type? I mean, Debo could do a lot more than just uh, take jet motion duties, but who – who is he planning on to fill that role, that do-it-all role? And they don't have a guy. And if Crowder's the slot guy, he's not that guy either. So it's it's pretty interesting with Samuel going into the offseason. And you talked a little bit about the potential of Jameson Crowder and Curtis Samuel coexisting, but I want to talk about two guys who the Jets already do have who have a big question mark of whether or not they can coexist. And that's in the back end of the defense with Marcus May and Ashton Davis. So do you think those two guys long-term can play together on every single down? And what are, what is required of the safeties uh, in the defense that Robert Saul is going to run? Uh, they can play together because May could do more the in, in the box stuff. And I think Ashton could play in the box too, but more specifically, they could play together in a Robert Sala defense because he loves his cover four. Uh, he loves his four across, two deep stuff. And he loves to have his safeties be able to do both, play in the box and play deep, rotate against motion. It's a, it's a stark contrast to Greg Williams, who had a strong safety and a free safety no matter what. And they didn't change hands. So I do think Ashton and Marcus uh, May can coexist. And what was the second question? And what do you think is are the main requirements of a safety in this defense? What are the primary skills that might be more important in this scheme than others? Right. Versatility, number one, because he wants the safeties to do both. Uh, cover, number two, because it's a bend but don't break type defense on the back end a lot of the times. And just overall awareness, you know, between the ears, instincts, number four. So it's more about the head stuff rather than the physical traits, for the safety and the salad. Yeah. I mean, I think we did get to see both of them kind of play for free safety and strong safety roles at different points this season. It seems like the beginning of the season, it was the plan to have Marcus may fill Jamal Adams shoes. And so you saw, I mean, especially week one may looked great and reportedly throughout training camp, he looked great in that role. They, it did seem yeah, as the season went on, they decided that may's best and most natural fit is as a free safety as, as a middle fielder. 
And then the problem with, with Davis is it's not like Joe Douglas drafted Ashton Davis thinking that he'd be playing him with Marcus May. I think Joe Douglas probably drafted Ashton Davis thinking that he'd be playing with Jamal Adams. I think it was a situation where he fell to them in the third round. Douglas realized where the team was. It wasn't like they're going to be competing. So they're going to take the best players. They probably had a late first round grade on Davis or maybe an early second round on him. And, and they took the best player on their board. But it was also because, look, May's contract is going to be up. He can slide in. We think he's a great player, et cetera. But now they're in a situation where they have both. And I think it is a really interesting storyline to watch because look, a guy like Keanu Neal sitting on the free agent market who has experience in this defense, who played under Jeff Ulbrich, who's probably more of the traditional strong safety. You also have Jacuiski Tart who played under Robert Sala. So there are some question marks. We're going to learn about how much Joe Douglas trust Davis and May to play together because towards the end of the season, we got to see Davis play more of the strong safety role and may play the free safety role. But Davis is, at least from his college tape, was pegged as a, a great center fielder. So they're both similar in strengths, but I agree that they can do both. It's just where are they best. And I would say right now the proof we have is they're both best at free safety. But I, it's, it's something interesting to watch, um, certainly throughout this next week, because I do think safety is a position that they could target. Who are some, speaking of, I guess, under-the-radar type of free agents, who are some under-the-radar free agents that you think the Jets will target? Maybe, obviously – name wise, but also position wise. I mean, there's a guy like Johnny Smith, who I think Jets fans are starting to talk about more, but he wasn't really coming up a few weeks ago. And now it's at the point where look, you can make an argument. A second tight end is more important than a slot receiver. So if you add Johnny Smith, you have him and Herndon that builds up that 12 personnel base offense that we know LaFleur is going to want to run here. Um, Kyle use check fullback who mm-hmm. obviously that's a position that's a necessary for this West coast scheme. So I guess who are some under the radar guys, obviously from a, a talent perspective that may not have the same name recognition, but also from a position perspective that Douglas could sign that you, that you think could turn some heads. Yeah. I think uh, look to San Fran and you said one of the guys tart tart is one of the guys I could see him signing. We don't know what may, how may is going to respond to this franchise tech. Right. You know, he's a good, he's a good guy but he came into the league two years older than normal uh, seniors. He was 24. So he's two years older. He, he wants that multi-year deal immediately. So we don't know how he's going to respond. And Ashton Davis last year. Yeah. I do think they projected him as a deep safety, but I think his draft status was more, more had to do with his work ethic, his character. That's kind of another Douglas theme. Uh, You know, he's, he rode his bike from the hotel to practice every day. He doesn't own a car. He's just that throwback guy who just only is only worried about one thing, which is football. Those are the guys Douglas is after. So Tart's definitely one of them. Use check, I guess you can call under the radar. Uh, every fullback's under the radar these days. So um, look to San Fran, I would say, for those under the radar guys. And then in terms of the big name free agents, because there are a lot of names that we're all throwing out there. And we all wish the Jets could come out of it with Galladay, Lindsley, Tooney, Lawson, just a complete package that you could probably do in the Jet X offseason simulator, but won't happen in real life. But mm-hmm. of those big names, who do you, Tooney's an obvious one, but of the, outside of him, which big names do you think the Jets are going to be in on aggressively? Uh, Tooney for sure. See, it's tough because big names with Douglas – it's a short list. Uh, it all depends on how the contract goes. It all depends on how the negotiation goes. He has a he has a number in his head, and if it goes past that number, he won't go past it. Um, so, 
Tooney is honestly the only big name I could say for certain. Uh, Sherman, maybe the other um, with the Salah connection. So I won't go too deep on that one. I think just we'll, we'll go Tooney and Sherman. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's probably accurate. I, I would say that for me, I think Tooney makes a lot of sense, but I also think that Lindsley is, is kind of a sneaky addition there. I mean, he's an all-pro center who has experience um, playing for Michael Floor's brother. He's a perfect zone scheme um, center, uh, zone rushing attack center. I just think that if they can beef up the line with both Tooney and Lindsley, I don't think players like that hit the free agent market that often, especially two of them. I think two super durable guys still in their prime, not completely over the hill or anything like that. The Jets have the, the cap space and the opportunity. I mean, this money has to go somewhere, right? You can't just keep carrying it over year after year and never spending it. And it's like, if you can shore up that offensive line, especially with Tooney and Lindsay together, the rest of your offense is going to flourish. Whoever you draft at quarterback or trade for Watson or Darnold or whoever you draft at running back or receiver or add a tight end, it's going to affect everything. So you can go bargain bin shopping everywhere else if you put money into the offensive line. I think Douglas has talked about since day one, building up the trenches, like you said, and mm-hmm. he has a golden opportunity to do that with the edge market and the interior offensive line market. So I think, I think they'll go some, do some big fish hunting in, in those areas. I don't think they're going to go crazy. I think if some team tries to offer Tooney 17, $18 million, I would understand Douglas backing out, but there really isn't an excuse. I think, I don't think that's what Tooney's going to get, especially the, the fact that the guard market has been flooded with so many talented guys. I think there's no reason why the Jets can't outbid everybody else when it comes to Tooney. Robbie, for you, who we know Tooney's on this list, but who is your personal wish list for the Jets? And to your point too, we don't know. They could target Lindsley before Tooney, uh, valuing the center. Right. So we don't know. McGovern came into the league playing guard. Um, we'll see. Uh, but the wish list, I guess, would be Tooney. I'll go Lawson at edge, but edge, there's a couple options. A dream wish list, Tooney, Lawson, Juszczyk, Sherman, and Samuel. And we'll start with those five. You took a lot of names out of my mouth. I yeah, think I was- <laughs> mine would be – I would definitely go with Tooney and Lawson. Um, yeah, I'd put Juszczyk on there as well. I think he really is – if they are going to feature it a lot, if LaFleur does want to carry that aspect over – Definitely him as well. Um, I would add Jonu Smith, though, I think instead of any wide receiver. I think he can, in this offense, become a, a huge upgrade for the Jets and be a top five to ten player at the position at a much lower cost than a top-tier receiver might be who wouldn't exactly be an elite player, like a Samuel or a Corey Davis, who are great players, but they might not necessarily be top 10 to 15 receivers, whereas Smith can be a lot cheaper and be, um, I think he does have the potential to be a top five type of tight end. And he's a great fit in this offense with his yak ability. So I'd say John Smith, Joe Tooney, and Carl Lawson would be uh, probably my dream wish list. How about you, Ben? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I don't think they're going to sign all these guys, but Lindsley, Tooney, the fact that Lawson hit the free agent market to me is, is pretty crazy. He would be in that list. Johnny Smith would probably be in that list, but I'm not going to be losing sleep if he signs elsewhere to throw out some different names. I guess I'm Michael, you pointed about Nicholas Morrow though, from, from the Raiders. I think he would be a tremendous addition to this. I got, I I don't know how I forgot him. He's on my wish list too. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious about that cornerback position because there's no way that they just roll into the draft with just hall Austin and whoever they sign at slot. They're going to sign somebody and it's just a weird market. I, I don't, from a contract and a team play standpoint, it doesn't really make any sense to sign Sherman 
seems like he should go to a contender. He's on the back nine of his career. He's not the player he was, but then, you know, look at it from a locker room standpoint, a leader, I guess it would make sense, but I'm not a fan of shelling out $10 million to Richard Sherman. So then you look at, yeah, like Chidobe Awuze is a guy who's a pro bowler in 2019 had a lot of success in his own system last year was not nearly as good. So there's some, there's a gamble there, but those are the type of gambles in free agency that, you know, may burn you in the end, but as long as you're not giving away a ton of, of, of guaranteed money, those are the type of signings that could really help you. You got You sign a guy when his stock is low and then it booms the next year. Um, he's a guy that I think I would throw on that wish list. Um, I don't expect them to get Lawson. I think it makes a lot of sense for the jets to target him, but I, I think they probably will have to go with the secondary guy there. You know, the, the edge class for, for the draft maybe isn't top-heavy as it has been in years past, but there's a lot of really good guys in that range where the Jets have multiple picks from 23 from the Seahawks pick, 34 um, from their own second rounder, and then if they trade Darnold, they have another uh, second rounder. So from that late first to second round spot, there's a lot of good edge guys. So I could see him, especially if they miss out on Lawson, unless Sala really thinks he can unlock Ngakwe or they want to throw a ton of money at Bud Dupree or something. I could see him going cheap and just going with like Kerry Hyder and Vinnie Curry or something. And then drafting a guy. So as far as wish list though, Tooney and Lindsay, number one receiver. I'm honestly, you know, I, I don't think Douglas is going to shell out a ton of money to, to, to the receiver position. I just don't, I think, you know, you're looking at Kendrick Bourne, who is one of the more efficient 49ers players last year. He think he, he makes a lot of sense. Maybe they turn around and sign Nelson Aguilar, who was reportedly great friends with Joe Douglas. I just personally don't think they're going to invest that much. So wish list lies. I'm kind of leaving that position off. Um, you know what? I could see Aguilar. You know, that's yeah. a good – that's a really good point. And then Jets fans are going to immediately have Perryman 2.0. But he's not. I mean, you look at the production that he put up last year once he was moved outside, oh, his confidence was up. And it's like he has that connection – um to joe douglas i actually think he is a perfect fit in this offense i don't think he's going to be that expensive the age i mean he's 28 so it's not like he's you're getting a, a 24 year old like juju smith schuster or anything um you know the other guy i think the running back position is really interesting because i think that they are going to sign somebody because douglas clearly doesn't value the running back position that much but that doesn't mean he's not going to pay any money to it i don't think he's going to go after aaron jones and i don't think he's going to invest a, a first round pick in a running back but I think he's going to throw around maybe a guy like Jamal Williams is a guy who's floated around. Marlon Mack is really intriguing to me. He's a guy towards Achilles and, and we don't really know what he, what he is at this point. But before that, I mean, I think he's a perfect fit with the, for what the jets are looking for. So why not kick the tires on a guy like Mack on a cheap one-year deal? You have Ty Johnson, you have Michael P Ryan, uh, Josh Adams, and then maybe you draft a guy on day three. Um, it's just, uh, it's going to be an exciting week. I mean, the time is, is really now for Joe Douglas to, to, put his stakes on the ground and what this team is going to be. It feels like the first two years have just been kind of demolishing what the jets have been for the last decade. He's a, you know, accumulated a giant treasure chest of, of capital, but it doesn't really mean anything unless it, it is used right. And I think this is his first chance to really show jets fans who he is. Um, who do you think Joe Douglas ultimately signs, you know, next Friday, we're here a week from now. Who do you think we're, you're writing jets X factor articles about? Oof. Let's let's go optimistic. Let's go Tooney. Let's All go right. Tooney. I feel that. And when you said Tooney and Lindsley, I kept thinking, no way he's going to spend that kind of money in one shot long-term now. If it was a one-year deal for one of them, he would do it. But long-term on two interior linemen. But Lindsley at center makes it a possibility. Right. Definitely a possibility. Um, so I'll go Tooney. I do think they're going to go use check because I think Douglas and Salah – uh, value character above all else, work ethic. 
as such. And Sherman, I, I sort of agree with you. I, I'm not crazy about the idea of dishing out big time money to Sherman. Whatever he gets on the open market, he's going to be overpaid. We know this. Yeah. But the thing with Sherman, again, is if it's a one or two year deal, it's a transition move. It's a coach on the field move, leadership move that really does pay dividends to, for young kids. Um, so uh, Tooney, we're talking about Tooney. We're talking about, I do think he'll get an edge, but I do think it'll be a, a notch below the loss since the Barretts. And, and then a, a bunch of guys here and there. Um, hopefully, Janu, I would agree. I left him off my wish list, but he should be on there as well. Um, but the big name, Tooney, and then take your pick. And then I guess to wrap it up, where are you on Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields? Mm. Well, I think it's Zach Wilson. Uh, full disclosure, I got to look at a lot. I got to look into the film a lot more. We got to view what Sam's done so far with the film. But from early on, what I've seen, I think it's about accuracy, leverage, reading leverage, and throwing guys open. Fields has a tendency of only throwing the ball to open guys. He doesn't throw guys open. And, and looking at those tight windows in college is what translates to the NFL most. So I think it's Zach Wilson. I think I know where Nania, Nania's head's at in this topic. I'm ben. I'm so in the middle. Ben is trying to pull me onto the Justin Fields side. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm teeter-tottering right in the middle. I didn't realize that. Well, it's not – look, it's not like I hate Zach Wilson. I think I came out kind of a little strong against him at the, the very st- – I compared him to a baby-faced elf, and I think that <laughs> may have they may have swayed some people into thinking I hate him or something. I think the Jets are in a terrific spot. As long as they – it's not like I hate Sam Darnold, but I just think it makes – all the sense in the world to trade him. So as long as they do that, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, hell, I could probably talk myself into Trey Lance. The Jets are in a great spot. I think that both Fields and Wilson are going to have success in this league. I think, I think the thing that scares me is that I think Fields is a safer prospect. And you could also argue he has the higher ceiling. Um, with Wilson, it's, it's not that I don't think he's super talented because you're right. Those throwing windows are what translates most. That processing speed is what translates most. I think some of Fields' slow processing is due to the system that he plays. Yes, 100%. But, 100%. but you know, the, the whole Zach Wilson can play backyard football and throw off any platform, and Dan Orlovsky calls it magical sloppiness when he referred to Darnold. We saw with Darnold how that deteriorates in the NFL. It doesn't have to, but if he's not surrounded the right way, you can't play backyard football all the time. And I just feel like, especially when you're playing at BYU against a bunch of guys who are going to be selling insurance and cars in a few years, it just doesn't, it doesn't translate the same way that innate feel and that, you know, backyard football style. That's something that takes time once you get comfortable. Um, And there's going to be an adjustment period. So it's just, I like Zach Wilson. I think he's intriguing personally. I I'd feel more comfortable with fields, but hell you damn know if the jets draft Zach Wilson, I will be all aboard the Zach Wilson train. I think they're in a terrific spot. I think they're both, a tier prospects as far as the jets were you know having to pick a quarterback in any class you'd want it to be this one that's that's all confident i feel about this now what do you think about you're both on the trade sam darnold right oh definitely yeah Uh, it's it's i think it's a higher chance that darnold stays than people acknowledge but i think at this point especially after douglas said that they're taking calls on him it just it's the it's every factor from the pick that you're going to get from trading darnold building on the rookie contract considering where this team is at playing the odds game of, you know, 
can Sam Darnold turn it around after being a, one of the most historically bad quarterbacks in NFL history? Man, that's a bit of a stretch, but last year he was for sure. Um, and yeah, is, is Sam Darnold ever going to be Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. Can he be Jimmy Garoppolo? Can he be Jared Goff? Yes. I think, I think 2020 was his, was his floor. Um, so for all of those reasons, it, it makes a lot of sense. Now I will ask you this and let's, we can close on this. Let's be getting some more rumblings today. Deshaun Watson. And this seems like the opposite of everything Joe Douglas would do. And in fact, he pretty much confirmed as much at his press conference a week ago, just touting the, the importance of, of the draft picks and that the work that he's done over the last two years is to set the jets up to be long-term sustainable playoff contenders and winners. And that's building up this draft capital, using it, hopefully hitting on it. Um, and then just sustaining a pipeline of young players coming in and out of the system. He came from a place in Baltimore that has consistently led the league in compensatory picks. When was the last time the Jets had a compensatory pick? That's the type of system Douglas is trying to build. So trading it all for Deshaun Watson doesn't necessarily scream Joe Douglas to me, but I don't think there's ever been a situation like this in NFL history. Can you recall a, a 25 year old all pro quarterback in the, like the prime of his career forcing his way out, of, of a bad situation and by report sounds like he would accept a trade to the jets and the jets are the, the number one team position to get him and Woody Johnson coming back. I mean, I could see it. Robbie, what are your thoughts on this one? Is this a move? If GM Robbie Sabo, is this a move you would make? And then two, is this a move you think Joe Douglas would make? Um, I think I'm in line with Douglas on this one. I mean, I'm obviously, obviously guessing what Douglas is thinking, but yes, I would take Watson, obviously. But I'm not on the train that says I'll do whatever it takes to get him. I think the number two pick is extremely valuable. And on top of that, you're sitting in the king's chair. You have most of the leverage. Yeah, the Dolphins have the assets too. So the Dolphins are a huge possibility, but they also have a bigger headache with Tua. So I think Douglas is going to be patient. He would have conversations about Watson. He would surely take him. But I think his limit would be the number two and two other first round picks. Uh, maybe something thrown in on top of that. Some, something along those lines. I think if he had to go to four first round picks, he'd be out. And he wouldn't, I mean, he would care if he went to Miami, but he wouldn't blink. He would just move forward with the plan. Uh, but, and that's kind of where I'm at too as well. I think everybody saw our reaction pod when the Jets hired Robert Sala. I can only imagine what our reaction pod would be if, if the Jets traded for Deshaun Watson. Oh, it would it, be, it would be nuts. I, I mean, I, yeah, I'd have to just lower the decibel level in the entire episode because I think Michael and I would just be screaming into our mics the entire time. It is certainly an exciting time to be a Jets fan. I know I think I say this every off season, but this does really feel like the most important off season. I don't want to like, say in Jets yeah, it's history, like every, but every election is it, the most it, important election in your life. It, but it really does feel that way. It really does feel like the Jets are at a crossroads right here and that they can either it go is. one way and that way is into a perennial playoff contender and hopefully winning a Super Bowl in the next five, 10 years. The other way is more of the same, more of missing on draft picks and overpaying on free agents and it not working out and Sala getting fired in four years and Douglas right behind him. They're at a crossroads right here, and it starts with this offseason. The time is now for, for Joe Douglas and Robert Saw to turn this, this baby into a winner, um, and they certainly have the, the ability to do so. The, there's no excuse that they, they didn't have an opportunity to because I think I would say at least half the GMs, if not more, would kill to be in the shoes that Joe Douglas is in right now despite being 2-14 and 14 and, and whatnot and the Jets being a laughing stock. The Jets are in a power position, and they haven't been in one. 
um, well, for a long time. And you know, and you know how they're close to the, the ultimate test is this people want to go there. They're, yeah. They only won two games and people want to flock to the Jets because of Joe Douglas, because yeah. of what he's doing. What the was Jets- the news today? I still have to look at the news today. Who was the doctor they hired? They just, oh, yeah. Uh, the news today, where they hired someone. Um, and it's a, it's a big move to combat the injuries they've been dealing with. Moves like that, under the radar moves, are, are huge for a program. And they really go under the radar because they're not players, they're not GMs, they're not coaches. So the Jets, to your point, the Jets are really close. And I know that because people want to go there. Yeah, Dr. Brad DeWeese, I looked up yes. the tweet. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea considering how many injuries the Jets have had over the last few years. But you're right. You're 100% right that if Joe Douglas was not here, I think this would be a very different vibe. It'd be like, here we go again. This is this could go right, you know, right, but it probably won't. I feel very optimistic. As a Jets fan, I think we're conditioned to be pessimists, but I really do feel good about, about the direction of this team. I, I think Joe Douglas um, gets it, and I think Robert Sala was a hell of a hire. And I think that was the first, maybe not the first, but one of the big moves where it's like, okay, this Joe Douglas guy got it. I think, you know, if he was to go and hire Marvin Lewis or something, I think the, the alarm bells would be going off in my head. But I think right now I'm feeling very good about Joe Douglas's ability to, to build a winning culture. Robbie, it was an absolute pleasure having you on, man, and, and breaking it down. Only a few more days to go until free agency. Where can Jets fans find your work? You run a podcast at Jets X Factor as well. You write a ton of articles um, all the time. One of the best follows on Twitter. So just shout out your stuff where our listeners can find you. Well, the podcast and Twitter have been lacking as of the last couple of weeks, but head to jetsxfactor.com and check out all our stuff. We, we brought on a few new writers recently who really know the game. Uh, you know, just like Nania blew it. So check out the website, jetsxfactor.com, JetX Mobile on Android and iTunes. Nania blew it. Blessington, you can throw me in there as well. Don't, you know, no offense taken. Um, <laughs> You, you are you are present with me right now. It's me, you, and Nanny. Come on. All right, all right. I, I'm going to take away your legend status just for that. We cl- we Thank opened you. with you being a legend. I think we're we're closing with this. You know, no longer. Being I, I'm going to call Bart Scott right after yeah. we're done. <laughs> you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nanny and myself at Ben W Blessington. Find us podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, JetsXFactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Jets fans, a few more days, and it begins. The time is now for Joe Douglas to turn the baby quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. The punter to beat, and the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. 